Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. Hope we're all well. It's um, a typical football weekend this weekend in terms of weather. It's wet and windy outside where I am. It's been sort of perfect weather to stand and watch football in. However, we're not and uh, we are recording this podcast. I'm Luke Edwards and joining me is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. And we've also got Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Morning, Luke. Good morning, everyone. And in terms of the, the, not, the NL Full-Time rotation policy, we, we've... Pushed Tom out this week and brought Rob back in. Hello, Rob. Uh, hi, guys. And I uh, can confirm it's wet and windy in Cambridgeshire too. Uh, <laughs> East London has always got the good weather. Um, <laughs> and we've also got joining us this week, not one guest, but two guests. We've, uh, we've got the other guest in the green room reading through his magazines and stuff like that. And he's, you know, he's drinking his, his, his complimentary water. We'll bring him in later. That is spending more town manager, Jason Ainsley. But first, we have... A man who's won back-to-back promotions from the artist formerly known as a conference. And he did that with Hereford yeah. and then Morecambe. And he can also list Lincoln City, Aldershot and briefly Telford amongst his former clubs. And there's also captain his club at England Sea Level. It's Craig Stanley. Hello, Craig. Hello. How are we, boys? Are you OK? Yeah, really good. Yeah, and good. Um, it's fair to say you're coming to the autumn of your career and you've had a, had a few <laughs> clubs, haven't you? And, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, just Christmas. like saying... Yeah. When I was when I was looking at it, obviously over the last uh, probably last year or so, yeah, it does look like a lot of clubs. But I think if you look at modern day football, I think the the amount yeah. of time you you spend at clubs is obviously a lot lower than what obviously maybe back in the day. I think at the start of my career, you see probably had the most most amount of time at a club. But I think now the the longer you play, I think the more clubs you'll have because it's hard to stay at clubs for the amount of time you want to what you want to really. So yeah. I think that's just the way it is, and I'm happy with what I've done. So yeah, yeah, there is a lot of clubs, but yeah, that's that's the way it is. You've had back-to-back promotions then with Hereford and Morecambe. Was that kind of your happiest time in football then? Yeah, obviously on uh, achievement-wise, yeah, definitely they're the most successful in in, in a short space space of time. So you sort of probably take that for granted because you think that's how it's always going to be. But obviously later on in my career, obviously carried on playing in League Two and then obviously into the conference and then even last year when I won the league with Kettering was the first time I won a league with with any club so that was a great achievement and, and obviously a lot of people are surprised by that but for myself league last year getting winning the league with uh, the Southern League Central with Kettering was a great achievement as well the team we had and everything we, we were expected to win to win the league and we won it quite convincingly in the end but Obviously, to win the league and obviously, but the main promotions with Hereford and Morecambe were the main ones. But yeah, that's what you uh, obviously want to play football for, for them days of uh, achieving something. Craig, uh, you started out, I think uh, probably one of your first clubs at, at that kind of level was was my own club, Telford, way back in yeah. um, what, 2004. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, when I was young. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were all young, yeah, um, yeah, bit, bit like life, that, more, a bit more life in my legs than this, that, and the other, yeah. So, I'm yeah, dodgy that... your hair, dodgy your haircut. So, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> I don't remember the haircuts. That's what I'll claim. <laughs> you anyway. don't want to. You don't want to. Um, but no, um, I mean, starting out in that Telford, I don't think you, you necessarily played an awful lot in that that spell, did you? And then it it, it came to a bit of a an unfortunate ending. But but that no, yeah, that yeah. led to you to going to Hereford and great success. Yeah, um, Fitz, uh, I went to, obviously I had my spell at Warsaw, 
five years there, obviously YTS and then pro. I went to Scotland just before I signed for Telford for six months. And that was a great learning spell at Rafe Rovers with a Spanish manager who hardly spoke any English, Scottish, whatever you want to say. So he was <laughs> unbelievable and got me, got me to know that men's football was tough, a lot tougher than reserve team football and got me to be a man really because playing in Scotland they didn't really like the English players so as you can imagine tackles flying everything else flying so it sort of made me look, grow up as a, as, a, as a person and obviously yeah going to Telford Fitzroy Simpson got me there and yeah I played quite a, quite a few games I think I only played about 20 games or something after Christmas I signed uh, we had to, we had a good team but unfortunately the club was ran not as, as well as it should have been obviously as you well know a lot of the players were on very good money a lot more money than what I was on I, I know that but um, but yeah no it was a great club we had some great times even though obviously financially it was tough not getting paid etc etc but the time we had there and I still look out for the results there I'm glad that Telford have come back going bankrupt and I'm glad that um they're doing well now and hopefully they can get back to the days like what we had there, beating Shrewsbury and stuff like that. It was good times, very good times and the fans deserve it because they were great fans while I was there. Dan, as, as you know, I only met you as a bit of an old git anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then you were like you were like my dad at older shot. You spoke to me more than my dad did, you know? Uncle, so, yeah. um, let, let's go on. Uncle, sorry, yeah, uncle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you're just um, a little few years younger than my dad, yeah. I was older cousin. There we go. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got a question for you because I, I, I didn't really see you back in those early days were you a bit more box to box in those days uh, yeah I tried to be I think I tried to be a bit more energetic whether that was down because I could do it in them days but I think managers used to give me a bit more of a free reign I think as I spoke to you on numerous occasions that later on in my career or the later days in my career I, I seemed to uh, stay back a lot more maybe I don't know them times when I did played more forward did I score enough goals maybe not uh, but the years I think when I did do well like Torquay and, and, and some years at Morecambe I scored goals and as a, as a midfielder you need to score goals I think back in the day there was a lot of footballers who could play football like myself but the ones who got the moves or got to the levels I wanted to get to scored them goals you know and I think maybe I didn't score enough goals or well the, the facts say I didn't score enough goals. I think if I got that into my game, Rob, then I reckon I could have played higher than what I did. But it was just something that didn't come naturally to me. So I think in the end, it was like managers thought because I could play football quite well, then I'd sort of be more a defensive midfielder. Can you see what I'm holding up there, mate? Uh, yeah, 11.6. That, that was your best ever strike rate. Eleven A goal every 11.6 games for Morecambe, 15 in 174. But listen, I'm teasing. We, we've always joked about that. No, no, a lot no. It's one thing I worked on a lot, uh, Rob, scoring goals. I did. I used to train a lot, take free kicks, take corners. I used to do a lot of shooting and everything. And it just, for whatever reason in the game, it didn't come naturally to me. Sometimes it did look natural and I scored some good goals. But I just didn't ever score enough goals. And that was, was that that? That was, and that was an issue that, as you well know, the best midfielders score goals and get the moves they deserve. You look through all non-league footballers or even league footballers, the midfielders who score goals get moves and get the, and, and are good players, you know. So not naturally, technically, footballing-wise, the best players, but midfielders who score goals, that's who the managers want, you know. And that's one thing I, I regret, that 
unfortunately, my ability wasn't great at doing that, you know. I was just going to say, obviously, your most productive goal ratio was at Morecambe, but that's because you played over 170-odd times for them. Um, what, yeah. What's your, what's your favourite goal? I know you didn't score many, so what's the one that stands out for <laughs> you then? Uh, there was a goal against um, Bournemouth. Uh, we won 5-0 at the old Christie Park, it was. We won 5 that day. I've, I've recently just put it on Twitter and and stuff like that, so it's one I can, I can send through to you because it's, it's saved in my notes on my phone, you know. So, Grainy a lot of my, Yeah, 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 yeah. So I try, I'll show that to my little girl when she understands it. Bit. But it just come to me on the edge of the box. The ball got played forward. Uh, I think Phil Jevons played a little touch inside and just hit it like sort of half volley, bounced a couple of times, and it just hit the, the, the underside of the bar and went in. So that was probably my best goal, I'd say. But... As you said, I didn't score that many, but quite a lot of my goals were quite obviously important goals and goals I sort of celebrated. It was like it was the World Cup because I never used to score that many. So, But like I said, that was just the one regret, really. The way I played, I just wished I could have scored a few more goals. That was all. Chris? Craig, I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, firstly, on Hereford, obviously you got promoted there, but the question I've been wanting to ask is, did you ever meet the ball? Yeah, it was there. The, the ball was... <laughs> <laughs> not personally, not shake his his um, his leg or I don't even know what the ball. Uh, I just say he's like so. But no, yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, on the, yeah. is it hooves? Is it? It's hooves. Yeah, they have hooves. Don't they balls? <laughs> but no, yeah, we did. We did see it. Yeah, not unfortunately, we we weren't on on obviously name terms, you know. But yeah, it did come out for the FA Cup games. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the great, obviously. Historic, obviously, things about Hereford that the ball used to come out, and yeah, the fans used to love it and stuff like that. And us as players, it just was just a bit strange when you see a ball when you're warming up, walking around the pitch. You know, you just think, "What is it? Is it lost or what?" But then, obviously, you you were just worried. You're like, "Shit, they're going to bring the ball on for me." (laughs) Probably had probably had better movement than me, Rob, and could cover the pitch better at that time. You know, so. So I think someone was. I think they used to say, "Bring the ball on instead of Stanley," you know. So yeah, yeah but but no, it, it was obviously that was part of his, uh, Hereford's uh, makeup and their history, you know. So it was just something that you took in your stride, and obviously that's what obviously made Hereford a, a, as good a club as well it was, you know. Yeah, and it must have been great having success with such a, a well-supported. Um... Kind of a sleeping giant, aren't they? Really, Hereford. So to yeah, uh, massive, to, yeah. yeah, to please that fan base must have been really uh, satisfying. Yeah, it was. It was pleasing. I think um, the the crowds were always impressive. I think at least minimum two thousand, three thousand most weeks. Once once we were doing well, and the three the couple of, uh, the year before I got there, they finished second. The two years I was there, we finished second both times as well. So very close, but. Probably just not good enough to get from automatic promotion because um, Stevenage and then I can't remember. I think it might someone else. Obviously, the first year got promoted automatically. Oh, Accrington got the year we got promoted. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Accrington won the league and they were very good. John Coleman, you can see what he's doing there. Fantastic job. And but we we had a good team. We scored a lot of goals and I think that's obviously and um, the way we play football. And uh, Graham Turner and John Troop was very good. Good on the eye and. Obviously, that obviously always attracts a good crowd, and obviously the fan base is there. And I spoke to uh, done an interview the other day about Hereford fans. We used to do like local 
coaching sessions in schools and everyone had Everford shirts on. You very rarely seen anyone have a Liverpool Man United shirt on as a kid. So it's always good to see that and the fan base is definitely there and hopefully they're on the right way now to get up where they belong because obviously they were a League One football club back in the day. A question about England C for you. I mean, we're talking okay. moment about that time at Hereford and at Morecambe and the back-to-back promotion. Yeah. And you had another privilege, didn't you? You led England C uh, in a very prestigious win as well against the uh, Netherlands. Tell us a little bit more about your England C experience. Yeah, it was um, it was difficult like at the start because. I thought I deserved to probably play more games, you know, like when some players in the team at Hereford are getting in in front of you, not in your position, but playing in in the squads. And then even at Morecambe, some players were getting in the squads and you're thinking, come on, like what's what's sort of going on? Because that's that's the sort of belief I had in myself that I deserved to play, you know, and just, yeah, eventually I got the call and I went on a couple of, I played in a couple of games in the summer tournament and then afterwards, it was quite strange because I weren't in the earlier games. And then obviously then Paul, obviously I get the call up off Paul and then he makes me captain. So that was quite a good achievement. And then obviously like anything to, to lead your country out, yes, people might say, oh, it's only England non-league and England C team. It's only non-league football under 23s at that stage. Uh, I think it was under 23s or under 21s. I'm not, I think it was under 23s. But then, obviously, with your family there and winning the game and obviously playing with the players, which we'll go on about later, that was in the team and the careers they've had. And then, obviously, when I go back home now, my, uh, my England caps are on my mum's uh, uh, stairway. So, walking up the stairs. So, obviously, when I go home every day, uh, well, now and again, I can see it and it's a great achievement. And then, it's obviously, it's a good achievement for my mum and dad, you know. So, that's why they have the caps. So, I don't have them. So it's more of an achievement and say thank you to my mum and dad, really, to, for, for what they did for me. We know how, obviously, we, we know, having been involved in the camp and they've given us great access over the last year or so, how much it means to players playing from these young players. And a lot of them do do progress now, don't they? I mean, I think from the game we saw against Wales, how many are playing in the Football League now? About five or six. And that was only like over a year ago. I think Chris, yeah. Chris and Rob might help me out on that. Yeah, no, it is. It's around about. It's around about those numbers. To be fair, um, yeah. You, obviously, me. like the players that we had were like Aaron McLean, George Boyd, Craig McHale Smith, uh, Paul Benson, Steve Morrison. You have a look at the career they had. The team, you know, uh, uh, Nicky Bailey, people like that. So many good players. When you look back on in the England Sea at the time, obviously. When you when you when you're doing that, obviously you're non-league players, so you think to yourself, "Oh, I wish I could then one day play for England yourself." You know, so it's a great achievement. But yeah, you'd love to go and play for the England, the main team. But at that stage, it was just a great achievement to get there, and you're you're being picked because you you you're classed as the best 16 players in 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 the country in the non-league. So I think it's a great achievement, and not like I said, for future reference and to have them caps at home to say that you've played in the England C team I think it's I think it's unbelievable and I think the players in non-league should see that as a stepping stone and, and, and a great achievement as well Just quickly I think I think it's fair to say Stan has, you'd have played more games for England C as well but of course you won promotion with Morecambe didn't you in that season and then and then became an EFL player did you um, did you feel a big difference back in those days I know we're going back a little bit but did you feel much of a big step up when you went up to the uh, <clears throat> League 2 uh, 
I think I always believed that I could play League Two. And I remember the first game we played, we played Barnet actually. And I remember Joe Lewis, a, a lad who plays in goals for Aberdeen, played at Cardiff. He was in goals and he saved us in that game. And we got absolutely, we got absolutely destroyed. They played us off the pitch. And I was thinking, this could be tough, this. Mm-hmm. Could be tough. And then, like anything in football, you get on a run of games. And even that year, I think we, we got to the playoffs, actually, the first year after we got promoted, you know. So, um when you're winning games and you're playing well personally, you, you, you believe you can you can do whatever you want, Rob, you know. So, yeah, I, I didn't, ever, didn't ever think I, um, I couldn't play that level. I always had belief that I could. And, 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 and obviously, luckily, that, that was proven. But each year, and the, the, just more this, the quality of player, because no disrespect to the conference, some games you could get away with a striker missing a couple of chances and you'd win the game. League two football, that don't happen. That one chance goes in or that one cross gets on the end of someone's head and he scores. That was the main difference was probably the quality of players you played against, but them being more clinical at both ends of the pitch. So defensively a lot better and and attacking wise a lot better, you know. So I think no disrespect to the conference at that time. We had part time teams against full time teams, which they still do now, but I think the there was there was there was a lot there's a there was a big difference in the full time teams compared to the the less uh, obviously the part time teams back when we were playing, but I just think the, the the state of quality I just think the playing quality was a lot better. But obviously that's when I had to improve year on year, and obviously luckily I did that, you know. Quickly then, a couple of managers. Obviously at Morecambe, you had Sammy McElroy. We all remember yeah. him, him, him running and falling over on the pitch in that suit. Um, yeah, yeah, Danny Adams threw him to the floor. Legend. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was a Man United legend, and then we'll we'll get on to Lincoln City shortly because you're at Lincoln City under the Cowboys, I think, weren't you as well? Yeah. So yeah, chat about Sammy Mack first. So what what was it like playing under him? Yeah, he he was good. He was um, he he joined in on training quite a lot. He still liked to play. So Mark Lillis took training a lot. Um, his his methods were very um, I wouldn't say like strict based on the actual team but he just more wanted like game situations fun in training so it's a lot more like uh, seven asides eight asides nine asides possession based sort of training and, and he liked to join in quite a lot so a lot of it wasn't probably as an intense a training as what we had at Hereford because Hereford was all about the team and Thursday Friday was about how we were going to play and what we were going to do set plays this that and the other Sammy was more more chilled with his with his methods. He liked us to have more bit more fun, but serious. We worked hard and more game situations and 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 just from there really. But I think obviously Sammy knew that we he, we had good players and he sort of obviously let us just go and play. And obviously, why why change a winning formula, especially obviously in that conference season? I don't think we lost many games at home. So as a manager, you're not going to change your methods if they're if they're successful, but there was a big difference in the way we trained at Hereford compared to Morecambe. But at the end of the day, we still both got the same results. Yeah, so it sort of shows that it can work one way being so intense in training one way, but it doesn't mean that if you're doing different things in training with another club, that is not going to work as well, you know? So there was a big difference in the training, but at the end result, we both got promotion from, in the playoffs. So... Obviously, it works. 
Yeah, and then later on in your career, you moved on to Lincoln City and um, you played under the Cowleys. I mean, they're kind of like a trailblazer, aren't they, for young yeah. managers? And you can see what they've gone on and done now at Huddersfield. I mean, what was it like under them? Was it a completely different world? Yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough for me because I spoke to them in the summer that they come. I was just coming back from broke break. I had a broken metatarsal, and then when I come in, uh, obviously they're very intense fitness based. Like obviously training pre season, trying to get the lads fit. They done everything like properly, like weigh ins, water samples, nutrition side, everything like that. And I just think at the time when when they were there, I just wasn't at the levels they wanted me to be at, you know, like fitness levels and the way they wanted to play probably didn't suit me. And I just obviously coming back from an injury, then trying to get fit, it took me a long time to get where I wanted to go. And then in the end, they just said, Craig, we, we like you as a footballer, but you just don't suit the way we want to play. And that's how it was. But when you look what they did for Lincoln and what they're doing now at Huddersfield, they're, they're too... Two, two great man, obviously a great manager in Danny, and obviously Nicky's a very good coach. And but uh, I'd say like their methods and the way they worked us fitness wise is probably one of the hardest I've, I've worked in a long time, or if the hardest I have in my professional career. So whether that I thought that because obviously the levels, obviously having a quite a bit of time off with injury and then trying to come back, but their methods were so thorough. Every 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 Monday was watching videos. Every Thursdays and Fridays was watching videos of the game. How we're going to play on the Saturday, and unfortunately, I, I wasn't part of that. They have to make decisions. I respect their decision, and they've they've done very well in the game. But you can sort of see why they have done so well because their methods are spot on, and the, the methods are up to date. Your time at Aldershot, really, just one statement, one question. Give you a lot of grief, and you were always great, and you came out as the captain and spoke, never, ever shirked it. Difficult season at times as well. So we had some difficult conversations, but you never shirked it. Um, All joking apart, this guy, Chaps, was a solid 7 out of 10 week in, week out. In that position that nobody ever seems to notice. The one that (laughs) sits, you know, in front of the defence, behind the midfield, getting it, winning it, giving it simple. Um, I'm going to big you up on a goal. You did score <laughs> a free kick at the East Bank end. Yeah, um, it wasn't it was quite windy yet. that quite windy that day, Rob. I think. I think that's windy. why it went in. You know, yeah. there was a bit of a deflection on it as well. But, yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, you but know, it was but, a free but, kick though. <laughs> but like we said, week in week out, I reckon you were second when it came to the now announcing the man of the match each week. But yeah, what I wanted you to talk about was the, you had two seasons at Aldershot, and they couldn't be more. <laughs> and you picked up an early injury in the first season yeah, and you basically injury, yeah. didn't play the whole season and then and if anybody else in football has done this let them come forward and tell us the following season after a season out injured ever present every single game tell us about that yeah it was um, Dean Holdsworth uh, who signed me for Oldershot um had a lot of time for him whenever I played against his teams. He was always interested, always spoke to my agent at the time, always always was wanting to know what was going on with myself and this, that and the other. Obviously, I didn't think it was ever going to materialise. Went to Bristol Rovers, the situation there, done, done a year there. And and then uh, Dean come in with a very, like a very good offer and I was more than happy to, to, to come to Aldershot, you know, so just... Moved down to the area, was just looking at places to live, etc., etc. We played uh, Woking that that game. Looking back on it, should we really have played Woking in the pre-season friendly? 
maybe not, Rob, but obviously I know why 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 we did it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. tackles were flying everywhere, probably more than any other pre season game just before the season started. And I remember just saying to the referee before the game, someone's gonna get seriously hurt here, mate. You need to you need to watch what's going on. I don't know if you remember the game pre season and yeah. And, and and unfortunately for me, I, I sort of maybe the one time in that game because I don't know if I was playing well or not. I can't really remember. Rob, I broke forward like towards the halfway line, and then I got bagged tackle from the side, uh, broke uh, broke my fibula, and then torn ankle ligament. So that was just July. Just signed a two year deal with the club. Really looking forward to the season. I think the week after they had we had Wolves in the in the Carling Cup. I think it was called then, yeah. and then. Obviously, then you, obviously in a hospital, you get diagnosed with broken fibula. You go to then a private hospital. Then you get told you've torn your ankle ligaments. So you were you you're feeling so down and whatever else. And I'm then out till training till August. No, not August till January. Keep Vincenti, Adam Mecki all looking after me because I can't go to the shops. I can't drive. I can't. So yeah. So basically, the first part of that was terrible then I start getting fit again and then I come back and play the last couple of the games of that season and obviously we get relegated so so that year was very (laughs) (laughs) no 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 it probably was my fault you know but no Um, yeah so obviously to play the last couple of games and then get relegated did it probably didn't affect me as much because I know I knew I, I didn't play as many games but you still don't want it on your CV. You know how much it means to the lads, etc. Should we have got relegated? Probably not with the team we had, Rob. We should never no have got way. relegated. No um, but that's due to various things that obviously we can talk about another day, you know. But we should never have got relegated. And obviously then come to the next season, we start having problems financially, money, getting paid in the summer. Then obviously then that gets sorted to Andy Scott's there. He makes me captain, which obviously I didn't really expect, but maybe obviously with my experience and the players he had there, that's that's what he wanted. And then, like you said, it was minus 10 points. The first aim was to obviously get to level points. We did that, I think, Very fairly good. quick. Five games, Very, I think. yeah. Yeah, and then people start getting excited, talking about playoffs and whatever else. And, and then in the end, I think that, that took a lot out of the players and then eventually as the season went on we had we probably had more more downs probably than ups really but we, we, we were fighting we had good players Adam Webb, Adam Webster who's playing in the Premier League now you know playing as centre-half and, and obviously Chris Barr God, God rest his soul you know that he's, he's not with us no more playing at the back we had me Joe Osler we had Brett Williams up front Mark Mosley in midfield. We had we had good players, so we had good fighting ability in the in the squad. And then it comes to one of the last games, and I'll go back to Woking, where I broke down. Got the win that kept all shut up, and uh, and, and then and got then, a lot of criticism for the celebrations afterwards. But if you'd have been through that like you were, yeah, and, um, you know that, like you said, that was an achievement worth celebrating, really. No, and it was difficult, like because I played every game, so probably physically probably wasn't at the levels maybe I wanted to be, but I was captain of the team and I wanted to play. Not once did Andy Scott or did I go to Andy Scott that that I didn't want to play, you know. Uh, I was there to play. I missed too many games the season before. Played every game, Rob, and like you said, um, I think I did well that season considering the circumstances. But like you said, that sometimes you don't get the credit you deserve. But I think if you play that amount of games and, over a amount of season, we had other midfielders there who could have took my place. So uh, that's enough for me to say. And like I said, I don't think I don't think 
all all older shot fans appreciated what I do, but hopefully the people who know about football they they sort of knew what I did, you know, and that's that's the main thing for me. But yeah, two difficult seasons, but then towards the end when I left, it was probably not a re- not a relief, but it was like a great relief that we stayed up, yeah. you know that uh, and just that the whole the whole thing for myself like breaking my leg and then obviously then staying up was two two massive differences you know and I'm glad I left in, in the position I did you know and basically Andy Scott he didn't want me to sign he didn't really offer me a good contract there wasn't nothing really there so I had to so I had to leave and then that was it so whenever we get a player on who's played with a lot of players we ask him to go through the team so uh, Craig sent us his team over it's a 4-4-2 and he said it's his best non-league 11 he's ever played with so in goal it's Wayne Brown when he was at Hereford Sam Ricketts at Telford. Don't know whatever happened to him. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't have a good career, did he? No. <laughs> Chris, Barker, Chris Barker at Aldershot, we mentioned. Jim Bentley at yeah. Morecambe, who's now file manager. Tamika Makandawere at Hereford. Yeah. Um, Fitzroy Simpson when he was at Telford. Um, Gary Thompson at Morecambe. Neil Sarville at Morecambe. Also, Adam Stansfield at Hereford. Matt Reed at Lincoln. And Wayne Curtis at Morecambe. And then on the bench, you've got Matt Sparrow from your time at Lincoln, Danny Adams from your time at Morecambe, Ryan Green from Hereford and Andy Williams from Hereford. So um, the, the, the name that stood out to me was was Neil Sorville. Obviously um, played at Crewe, you played with him at Morecambe and he's now yeah. assistant manager at Altrincham, highly rated and they play in that yeah, Crewe style. And could, could you tell with the way he played that he was always going to be a good coach as well? Uh, yeah, he, he, was, he was quite chilled. He was like, obviously... He had like stubble. We had his like he had his like, like oasis type hair, you know. But he had his shirt out. Quite quite a messy footballer, do you know what I mean? But when you got him on the pitch, I think me and him worked quite well because he sort of played in the Morgan team like I did towards the end of my career. Do you know what I mean? So he like sort of sat in the midfield. He started to pass it round, and then he let me sort of run around like a headless chicken. Some people might say, you know. When like the same with me later on in my career, I sat in there and but Neil like Sorves we used to call him. Obviously he he was a great footballer. I think an underestimated footballer because when he first signed, we were all like, oh, who's this lad? Blah de blah. But he's probably one of the best midfielders I've I've, I've played with. That but a, a player that sort of helped your game and also when he when he uh, spoke to you, you sort of respected as well because of the career he's had and. When I still see him now, when we've played against his Altrincham's team, his Altrincham teams, obviously I know he's not the manager, but they play really good football, good movement, just like our, our subs used to play back in the day. And I think I've got nothing but praise for him. He's, he's a, he was a great guy. He is a great guy, sorry. He's a great player. He was a great player and he helped me a lot in the way that he played. That When I did go back into that position, sort of tried to watch and sort of learn from how he played. But yeah, he was... He was a very good midfielder, very underestimated midfielder. Probably doesn't get the credit he deserves in his career. Uh, Craig, I'm interested in um, when I when I was a lad, I used to I didn't live far, <laughs> I didn't live far away, only a couple of miles from City, and I used to go along with some of my mates. I'm not a City fan, but I used to watch Fitzroy Simpson. Yeah, I used to think he was a quality player. I, I really enjoyed sort of little battling. You don't really notice him kind of play like you know like Rob was uh, Rob was yeah. leading Australia. Like us, mean, all us midfielders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what was it like playing with someone who who had that wealth of yeah. uh, 
of experience at such a higher level. But, yeah, because Fitzroy got me to come to Talford, but obviously we played together at Warsaw as well. Like not in the first team, but obviously when Fitzroy he played in the reserves or or if he in training, and he always used to just say to me, "You run around, Craig, and you just give me the ball." He said, "I make things happen with the ball. You just run around." The re- obviously the teams he played for, he played in the World Cup. He's played against Argentina, all these sort of teams. He, so much respect for him as a person. And he was like sort of like my dad when I was at, more, at Warsaw, sorry, that he used to look after me and he used to put my name in at different clubs or to the manager. And he always used to try and teach me how to try and play football. So he was another player growing up that he had a great left foot, and but he could do so much with the football. And you just, I just wished I could be or wished I was as good as him, you know, because he, he could do he could do a lot of things with a football that I could only dream of, you know. And he was like a father figure to him. I haven't spoken to him for a while. I'll have to get back in touch with him. But And then when we went to Telford, he was just, even then, he was like, still, Stanley, you run around, give me the ball. Because back then, he was obviously a lot older. So his movement weren't as good as before. But yeah, he, as a person and as a footballer, he was a, he was a great man, you know. Music to your ears and Craig, was it? <laughs> What's that? Running around? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, at that time, obviously, when I was 20, 21, when I went there, yeah, you, if that's going to get me to play football, I'll run around. Mm. It's only when, obviously, you get older and you know what you can do and what you can't do that I used to then be like him and say to the young midfielders, go and get me the ball, you know? I am the, so sal- I am the guardian of the centre circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the centre circle. I didn't often, as you well know, Rob, come out of there that often in the end, you know? So. Right, just quickly, um, if you, it's difficult to do this in a minute or so, but the man, Chris Barker, he's no longer with us. No surprise yeah. that he made your team. Just tell us a little bit very quickly about the man and, and also uh, how, how shocking it was to hear of his passing. Yeah, I just still can't believe it. I've still got the messages on my phone that he sent me on Christmas Day and just I've still got it there on my phone just to re- to remind me of him. And just uh, we lived together at Aldershot, Rob, as you well know, but we spoke about it numerous times. And Bart probably told you as well when, when he used to speak to you and you spoke to him a lot that he was a great man, uh, another father figure to me that the career he had, uh, the way he was as a person, the way he lived his life, uh, a, a great inspiration and just when uh, when obviously I heard the news and just stuff like that I was gutted you know shocked and couldn't believe it happened because I always thought he was like the strongest man I could I could I could meet you know and I never I'm, thought I never thought what's happened happened and as a footballer we'll, uh, obviously we'll talk about a bit more exciting time that that's as a manager, which I want to be in the future, which we'll talk about. Is that that's the sort of player you want in your team? Another another player like my young through brick walls. Do you remember that game that you got injured in the first minute and played ninety? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, he, and I don't think he moved off the couch at home for about a week after that, Rob. So, and I used to be making the tea for him, but he was an unbelievable footballer. Uh, another one you look at him and you think, now nah, you're not going to be a good footballer. Yeah, you've had a good career when I first seen him, but playing wise he was he was an animal 100% 150% probably Rob you know and no one got past him you remember that year at Aldershot when we were there no one beat him for pace no one beat him in the air on the ball very good and just overall just a, a fantastic man that I'm just gutted that he's not here no more and I just hope like 
where he is now is 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 in a happier place and brilliant, brilliant stuff. That's it. And and also, so a couple of things then for the listeners. Stanners has been an absolute trooper. He's also named a, a, an eleven that he played against, and we'll put that out on Twitter. I've, so I've played with some, I've played with some of these, but I've put them yeah. best I've played against as well. Do you know what I mean? So because I yeah. played against them as well. That's it with and against, and, and we'll, we'll we'll put that team out. Final word from you, Craig. Um, you do have ambitions to move on into management, don't you? And just just tell us about that, just in case anyone's listening out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh been a common thing that people have asked me the last couple of years and I've even sampled it at Lancaster for six weeks caretaker manager really enjoyed it very 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 different to just playing turning up and putting your boots on and trying to play Rob you know just completely different and something that I really enjoyed uh, I think I was very close to getting the job at Lancaster but to give it to the Mark Trout and he fully deserved the, the job and he's done a great job since but just maybe wasn't the right time for me but I've been coaching in academies. I've been obviously co- I've been player coach. I've done the caretaker stuff. So now, in the next couple of years, just want to try and pass my A license, and then obviously let's see what jobs are out there. And hopefully, one of my former clubs eventually, once I earn my stripes, maybe give me that opportunity. You know, but for me now, I've got to get ready. I need to prepare properly, and I need to be ready for when, if or when or if I do become a manager, because. You don't get many chances as a manager. Not like playing, as you've seen on my CV, you can get numerous clubs. I don't think as a manager you can get that amount of clubs, you know. I think as soon as I get a job, people are going to be looking and I've got to be ready and that's what I'm trying to do. And then once that opportunity or if an opportunity comes and I feel I'm ready, then I'll go for it. So, But at the minute, like I said, I've said to you, it's just about playing. Hopefully I can reach 700 games next season. That's one of my big aims that, uh, I think I've got eight games left that I can get to 700 games and then we'll see after that. But I think I've still got a couple of years left of playing. But the main aim is to get into management. So any clubs listening, then you know where I am. But, I, at, the minute, I don't, no, but at the minute, I don't think I'm I'm ready to be a manager. But I was going to say I'm, the I'm boots hung up then, Craig. Or... No, 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 no. The boots are not hung up. Still, still, well, still trying to play, you know, so... Yeah, just playing at my local team, Clivero, at the minute. and um, But the aim is to eventually get into management, and that's what I want to do. That's all I've, I know, and I think I can be a good manager. I've learned from all the other managers I've worked with, took their good bits, bad bits, and then obviously my own ideas, and then we go from there. But just getting that opportunity, that's that's what you want. But like I said, I've got to be ready because I know I'm not going to get many chances. Well, let's hope that we get our first management appointment as a result of our podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. No, that's no worries. Thanks for, bo- thanks for that, boys, and appreciate it. Cheers, Craig. Well, uh, we'll see you soon. Take no problems. Cheers. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. This is a message from the government and the NHS about how to protect yourself and others from coronavirus. Wash your hands more often than usual for 20 seconds each time. Use soap and water or a hand sanitizer when you get home or arrive at work, when you blow your nose, sneeze or cough, and when you eat or handle food. For more information, go to nhs.uk forward slash coronavirus. Protect yourself and others. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. So 
so he's sat there waiting in the green room. He's had our complimentary biscuits and our water, so we'll bring him in now. It's uh, Spennymore manager Jason Ainsley. And there he is. Here he is. Good morning, Jason. By the magic of technology, here he is. <laughs> Unbelievable, eh? <laughs> I've learned more in this lockdown than I ever have, man. man. <laughs> well, well, Jason, um, first of all, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm all right, mate. So, uh, it's been a bit of a difficult one. My daughter was 21 on Thursday, so she, she had the wild celebrations in the garden. So that was great. Yeah, so no, it's, it's all good, mate. It's just, it's just, it's just everything's up in air, isn't it? So we don't know what we're doing. So you're yeah, gonna I mean, me, hopefully you're going to like me and what's happening. Well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, we had we had Ian Dennis on last week, and he, it's almost like he had a crystal ball because he he predicted <laughs> about maybe the playoffs happening and and the EFL League Two uh, making a decision that's going to happen this week. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of the National League North. I mean, have you heard any more, Jason, in terms of like playoffs and that? Because you are in the playoff positions at the minute. Yeah, I mean, I've heard this cross, but it's just ridiculous for me. I mean, how, how can you have cross when we've lost 10 players? We, we, we haven't got a squad, you know, and I would imagine that would be the same for, for, for certain other clubs that are in there. I mean, it's different for us because I think we've played two games more than Chester and Gateshead. So if it went on points per game, I think we would drop out of that. But as it stands, we're in there. And uh, depending on how, the, how, how the, the outcome of the league is finished, we, we wouldn't have a, have a team to fulfil the playoffs, so I, I just don't get that. You know, I think if that was the case, it could have been well. It should have been done before now, when when players were all still under contract. You have to play five aside, Jason. Uh, well, Tommy Miller have to get his boots on, but it, he's, <laughs> I think I've signed the wrong Tommy Miller as my assistant because he hasn't kicked the ball for me yet. He's only thirty-seven. <laughs> he, he keeps signing. Right? He signs on every year and never plays a game. He's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, father side. That's what it'd have to be. We, you know, we, we'd get a father side team. I was, I was just going to say, Jason, how do you prepare? I mean, we don't even know, as you say, we don't know about the playoffs. We don't know when next season's going to be starting. Um, what can you do in this period? What, what? I mean, <laughs> can you can you talk to players? Can you look at players for whenever the season's going to start again? I mean, how can yeah, you uh, manage basically? Well, it's great because, I mean, like you say, you speak to agents and we are speaking to players and every time you speak to an agent or a player, it brings up different questions, you know, so a question that an agent spoke to me the other day and said that, will you play, because we, we pay lads 39 weeks, you know, the majority of our lads are all on 39 week contracts, um, so they, they would run out at the end of April, beginning of May or whatever the season, if, if in the playoffs, whatever. And then somebody said that the rumour spreading that, that you know they're going to finish the league at the same time next year, but the league will be condensed in, in those 33 weeks, 35 weeks. So players are asking the questions, well, is your contract going to be for 39 weeks or is it going to be smaller, yeah. shorter? You know, so these questions that are bringing up you know, are valid questions and, and, and ones that we, we don't know the answer until we know when the season starts and the, and the season finishes because a lot of players would rather stay where they are at the moment on the furlough scheme than, than go to, to another club. That's what we'll find with a lot of the clubs as well. So we're we're in the similar situation to everybody, you know. We, we just wait. It's a waiting game, and I think it'll it'll drip free free from the Premier League down to the AFL, down to ourselves. So we we just have to wait and see, really. Oh, I was going to say, Jason, you don't um, uh, you know you don't appear to have been waiting for that. You know, you, you've you've cracked on and you've made some decisions as, as regards your playing squad for you know whenever football resumes again I mean uh, you've touched on how difficult that that sort of that's been um 
and and you've made some quite big decisions in there, haven't you? There's been, you know, a number of, of players you've been established with Spanning more for quite a long time have moved on. Yeah, I mean, we, we lost 10. I mean, the, the big ones for me were Chris Mason, who's been a club stalwart for 10 years. Um, and, and I think he's a victim of the, of the sort of the pandemic, really, in the, in the season ahead, because, you know, we've always run on a squad, which the chairman's always had a go at me about with about 20 players, you know, and I think we're going to have to sort of look at reducing that and then bringing in some loan lads if and when needed. Um, you know, running on a squad of 17, 16, 17 with a, with a keeper and, and, and looking at players that can adapt in various positions. So so it has had a knock-on effect with certain players that we, you know, we've had to let go. And that was a, a, a real difficult conversation that I had because Chris has been with me, not just with Spennymoor, but for, with Het Lions, with the chairman for a long, long time. And hopefully he's still going to stay in and around the club as is Gavin Compton. I think we're going to, we're going to have his expertise and his strength and conditioning work that he does in, in, in South Tyneside. He's going to come across and stay inside the club because I think the beauty of Spennymoor Town is that, and the chairman is he's a very loyal bloke, you know, and, and lads who've done the business for him over years, uh, you know, he will look after, and, and hopefully they'll be they'll be still with Spennymoor in some capacity coming in the next few years. Sure, I mean that that continuity as well, and that, and that loyalty seems to be like a big part of what's what's brought you to to where you are now. I mean. In terms of loyalty, I mean, I think you're, you've been at Spaniel for something like 13, 14 years now in a management role. And, 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 you know, you had players there. I think Shane Henry's departed in the summer and, and he was one of your FA Vars winners, wasn't he? You know, back seven years ago. So it, it's, a, it's got a family feel to it, hasn't it, Spaniel? Yeah, well, well, Shane came the year after. I think he's done six years. And again, he's a, he's a, he's a brilliant friend of mine as well. It, it was a difficult decision for him. He's, his girlfriend's uh, due a baby. He's, he's a, I mean, he's a science teacher, but... He's the thickest man I've ever met, you know. So I don't know how he can teach kids science. So I don't, I don't know what's going on there. So, but, I, but it was his hometown club, and it's a northern league club that's on the up. It's a, it's a town where I'm from as well, Stockton. So it's, it's a well-run club. I just think he felt, felt as though he's going out on a, on a where, where he's done done six years really, and, he, and he's been like you say, Richard, a real mainstay of the team, a heartbeat really. You know, he's one that just he's not he's not most eye catching on the ball, but he, he you know he wins his tackles, wins his headers, and he's. He's a seven out of ten every week, and he is going to be a big miss, you know. But like I said, he's he'll still stay in touch, and he'll still come to the games. And and, and like you say, that's I think that's the beauty that we instill at the club that we have a we have, we have a togetherness there, and I think that gets us over the lines quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, it certainly uh, leads to consistency. You're always there or thereabouts at the end of the season. You're always either in the playoffs or near the playoffs. How have you, has that been a gradual pro, um, process? Has that been from when you started, you've just trying to incrementally build on the squad year and year? And, and I mean, you, you, if we look at it, if we look at our predictions at the start of the year, you're a name that always comes up now as, as, uh, as playoff contenders. And, and that's crazy when you look at where we, where we are as yeah. a club. You know? yeah. um, I mean, I, like Richard said, I've been here what, 14 years, uh, but the chairman, the chairman was here 2009. I think he turned up, you know, and he's just transformed the place. You know, I mean, I, I, I've been, I've been connected with a football club since I was 18, which is 30, 31, 32 years. You know, I played there as 18 year old kid and went, went there as captain, assistant manager, and all the things ahead. But I think we were lucky with the with, with the structure of the leagues at the time because the, the ground was was horrendous, um, and we got promoted. We, we won, sorry, they won the Northern League on record points under the chairman the first year we were there. And and as it happened, you didn't have to go up, you know. So so we stayed with at the, at the uh, in that league for about three or four years until the, the chairman had 
and sorted out the debts that were owed by the, the electric board and the, and the council and, and, and sorted the ground out. And you can say that's right or wrong because, like I said, there's a, there's a whole debate on the Northern League and I think that's changed now because the restructure of the leagues and you have to vote. I would have been an advocate for that in, even though we, we, we stayed. I think it's important that if you win a league, you go you get up. Um, yeah. But Chairman's, you know, he, he's walked before he could run, really. And, and, and he's, it, the ground was... It was it was embarrassment at times, you know. You would go there and you would play, and you would hear the comments from the away team, especially as you, as you went up the leagues. If you like, you know, when we when we got promoted, we, we got promoted twice on the back of two playoff wins. We never did it in the easy way. We had to go through the playoffs and you know, and really tense games. And uh, when we went, we played in Stockport County, the first National League game. And you think, and what are we doing? You'd have to scratch your head, you know, playing against York, Stockport, Chester's, Telford, you know, all these teams that are. The rich heritage, and um, you fight you with them. As well. You beat him as well, didn't you, Jason? That's why I mentioned them ones. Just, just going back to the pitch, Jason. Obviously, how hard was it to start the season? Because I think was it the first four games you had to play away from home because the pitch wasn't quite ready. Yeah, I was all ready for the sack, really, by the chairman. I, I blamed the pitch, and uh, this is how, how mad the chairman is. Man, I, I went in. I had a meeting. I said, I said "What's going on?" I said, well, we haven't played a game all, all four, four weeks. We've been away. He said, I know, but the same happened last year. You were at home. And I went, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be all right. We'll be all right. Yeah. So, so and, and like, that, that's why I'm a, a big believer in you know, the null and void this season. Because points per game. I mean, we never won a game in the first four, four, four weeks of the season. You know, we had to play away from home, that, uh, which, which also has an impact. Um, but you, you've got to play everybody home and away, don't you? You know what I mean? I, I don't know how you can... Everybody has runs of form. We had a, we had a great run of form, I think, in November, December, where we went two, two months unbe- unbeaten. You know, you, you can only determine an outcome of a football match on the pitch, in my opinion. Uh, nice, to, uh, nice to talk to you, Jason. I haven't had the yes. privilege of, of meeting you or of seeing your team play. But that's actually the nature of my question. I never have, but I really want to. And the reason I really want to is... We've done this podcast for three years and the times I've heard the boys, Luke, Chris and Dickie, talking about Spennymore, you have a style of playing, a way of, of playing and there always seems to be goals involved. Uh, Craig Stanley, who was our guest previous earlier on the podcast, says, good manager, his teams play good football. Tell us about your philosophy. Why is it your teams are always involved in so many high-scoring games? Will you record this, please? Because our fans don't think we do. Record <laughs> 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 that and tear it for me. No, I, I mean, uh, Tom. I mean, we've, uh, for me as a manager, you're only as good as the team around you, you know. And I've got I've got Stuart Parnaby, uh, who's been there, done it. I've got Tommy Miller, who's been there, done it. He's been with me for three years. I've always been lucky that I've, I've brought in, you know, people have left for whatever reason as assistant managers that have moved on. And, and I've always believed that you know you, you're only as good as, as, as the people around you. We, we do we, we do work hard. You know we're a part-time club, um, but we really look at the, the opposition, and we, and we have we have people out there to to, to, to scour what would what, you know opposition tactics and things. But for me, it's it's a difficult one really because we don't have as much possession as other teams, um, but we are blessed with, with a bit of pace and, we, and we've got lads who, who are really fit and, and we can get up the pitch quite quick. And we think we use that as our, our asset. You know, I think we're the most, we're the more dangerous side when teams come at us, when, when, when we can break. And, and I think some of our goals are, are, have been testimony to that. You know, I, I, there's a lot of teams that I, I, I admire who, 
We play fantastic football, you know. Um, Altrincham this year were excellent, and as I've always been, Boston play some fantastic football. But I think our our fitness, our togetherness, you know, and, and, and good wide players who, who, who are quick and, and midfield runners who get on the end of things. I, I think that's that's a system that we've been used to, and, and it's been it's been a um, it's been a funny one because people always say, "Well, you get found out the second year," and maybe you know we were we were. The penalty kick of going up in the playoffs, or a penalty kick getting beaten in the playoffs, semi-final off Brackley, you know. And sometimes you think your name's on it. And I think when Charlie, I think missed the first two penalties, I was sat there just signing out my new contract and packing in my work at school. I was already <laughs> in the, a, minute, a minute late, and I was back uh, back in the school, you know. So it was. It's, I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that, Jason, because obviously Dickie was at that game, and, and he caught up with you afterwards, and. We were really impressed by the way you approached it after you were you're quite philosophical, but you weren't too down. And did you was it almost like it was a bonus if it had gone up, but what you'd achieved that season anyway was still great? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I think when you see the ground developments from last year again to this year, you know, it, it, it's it's unrecognizable. You know, the groundsman's done a fantastic job, the, the managing director, obviously overseen by the chairman. Were we ready? I mean, we, we, we've gone from crowds of 100, 150, a year, you know, 10, 12 years ago to, to averaging 1,400, you know, 13, 1,400. So we're not going to be a big club in the National League, you know, but we'd have, it was one of them, I agree, we'd have liked to have a go, you know, and, and you don't get them opportunities quite very often, if you like, you know, to be in a position of... And the final was, as always, finals, and I've been in quite a few club finals, it wasn't a great game, but when they've scored, you just think, well, that's it. And then we've, Glenn's had a, had a brilliant season that year again and scored the equaliser. You just think your name's on it. And then you start dreaming of your Notts Counties and, you know, all these sort of Hartley Pools, your teams like that. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it was, it was, I think the Brackley game was sort of our final, if you like, you know, away from home on a Saturday where nobody expected us to, to, to beat them away. Um, and it was again. It was a it was a nil nil draw. Nobody scored in injury time. Nobody scored in extra time. And then we've won on penalties. Maybe that was our final, you know, where we thought we weren't going to win, and we got through the final. And, and, but like I said, it was it was a fantastic occasion. And I've got a lot of respect for Charlie as a club. And I think that that that, that emulated that after the game when you know you've got to be respectful because as, as a manager, you you, you know you, the bad times are always around the corner. You need you need a pick up from your, from other other managers. So it, you know it is what it is. It was a I was more disappointed for the lads who missed the penalties because they were sort of the rocks of the club who've been there for a long time. Uh, and Glenn, who's you know fantastic, AJ, who'd been brilliant all season. They're the, they're the ones who missed, and it was you know I was more more upset for them really. Um, Jason, I spoke to you a few times after um, playing at Edgeley Park at Stockport County, which by the way they're uh, clubbing together to get a statue for Glenn Taylor after his uh, after his goal last season that uh, effectively. Uh, can out. I put a stop to that? Because I don't want to talk to you. Because I'm still waiting for this bottle of red that Jim promised me. <laughs> you might be waiting a while. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've been waiting a year and it's still not arrived. <laughs> but, uh, what I was going <laughs> to say was, and, and Luke touched on it a little bit. You, you're always one of these managers. Uh, sometimes uh, at the end of a game, when I know I've got to speak to a manager for the NLP, you're like, oh god, the. They're not going to be out for another 45 minutes. I'll get like a minute from them. But I always enjoy speaking to you because you you always want you always seem like you enjoy that bit of speaking to the to the media after the games. Yeah, because I think 
and I know it's a cliche, but where we're at, you know, going to, going to Edgeley Park, going to Bootham Crescent, and that, you know, we're, we're competing and we're winning, you know, and I, I don't know we haven't beat Stockport away, but it, it's just, and I know sometimes, like you say, that, that's, as a manager, if I was a full-time manager, it, it, it's, it's your job, it's your blood. I, I'm a big believer in, you know, you've got to be respectful to everybody. And, you know, I have my fallouts during the game. You know, I'm a nightmare of referees at times and, and I need to curtail that. But, but I think it's, you know, always, like you say, that the press are there to do a job. And, and we're, we're in, the, in the limelight at the moment in the National League, which is, which is fantastic for us as a club. So, you know, we need to put Spenny Moore Town on the map. And I think we have done over the years, and not only locally, but nationally. And like you say, the guys like yourselves, you know, are taking a bit more interest in Spenny Moore Town, which, which can only be good for the, for the club. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Rob's question about playing style, um, and, and you mentioned sort of like pace and wingers. And obviously you've had Ben McKenna on the left-hand side this season, who's, um, who's benefited you enormously. But you've, um, you've picked up a player to play on the right-hand side, um, during your, your your movements during the, the close season, and probably one that's been a bit eye catching locally because you you've acquired Stephen Thompson from Darlington. Um, uh, obviously, with the rivalry between Spennymoor and Darlington, you must have did did you have that in your mind when 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 you were thinking about bringing him on board? Well, you are you my scout, Richard? Oh, do you know I'm playing him on the right hand side? <laughs> <laughs> I'm basing I'm basing that on where I've seen him play for Darlington. All oh, right, let's get off there. <laughs> No, Tom, Tom was someone that, that we've chased for a long, long time, you know, but he's always, he's, he's obviously been under contract. He, he cut his contract come to the end of the season. Um, and I felt he, I think he felt that he needed a fresh chart. He's done everything there. He's been, he's been a legend at the club for seven years. He's been our nemesis in honest. He's, he's scored against us nearly every game we've played against him. I know Dalton fans won't think that's Spencer's arrival because they've got bigger fish at, in terms of Hartlepool and things like that and the next football league club. And that's what makes us more happy because we're competing against the teams like Dalton, you know. I mean, when, when they came to town against Spennymoor, they, they bring big, big numbers. They're, they're a fantastically well-supported club. Um, and when we signed Tomo, you'd always get the, the supporters who think he's finished and, and they're spending fortunes on players and things like that. It, it just makes me laugh. And to be honest, he, he just needed a fresh challenge, I think. And, and the, the time fitted us. And, and you know, I think he's got a couple of good years left in him. He's a... He's a top lad. He'll bring a lot to the to, to the to, to the club, and like you say, he can play in, in various positions on the left, on the right, just behind the front, uh, the forward. So, yeah, he's, he's an acquisition that we, we we wanted to get in as soon as we could. You know, we're not in a rush to sign players at the moment because come the end of June there'll be there'll be hundreds of thousands of players out of contract. So, but we needed to to make sure we acted quick on that one. I was going to say it's, it's a busy time all around, Jason, because obviously in your day job, you're head of year at, at school. So, I mean, there's obviously uncertainty there as well, isn't there? Yeah, well, I'm actually head of pastoral at the moment, head of key stage four. So, it's we're in a rotor. We're on a rotor. So, I'm in on Monday. Uh, but, but my week's spent now with uh, phone and parents of, of sort of students who've, who are like looked after kids or, or vulnerable students to see how they're getting on, if they're accessing the work and and things like that, you know, because it's unsettled time for for the school. I think um, when we go back, which which you predicted the fifteenth of June by the email I got, I think schools are going to be a, a different place because for the for the well, Richard will know and Chris will know. I'm a I'm a touch and feel. I'm a handshaker. I'm, I'm a very tactical. Player. That's going to go out the window. My job now is gone, finished, mate. I'm, I'm history at the school, so I've had it. 
Yeah, but it is at some certain times at, at, at schools, and, and like you said, there'll be a lot of parents. We've sent texts out this week whether they're going to come back in. I know we're, we're focusing on year tens for our our school, um, but it's a difficult decision that's, that that parents have to make whether they want to send the, the, the child in or wait till September. But you know, I know, I know our head he's brilliant. Our head teacher who supports me um, wholeheartedly with football, he, he'll do the best that he can and. He's got a tremendous school there and I'm very fortunate to work at Mortimer. Last question then for me is, um, just tell us, I'm intrigued about going through your former clubs, just tell us about your spells in Singapore and Australia. Yeah, so, well, I was at Harlepool at the time and I, and I was unbelievable in training. I was terrible on the pitch, like I was a nightmare and rubbish. And this agent rang me and he said, uh, he said I've, got a, I've got a club out in Australia for you if you want to go. And I was a young lad and, and I went out there to Perth um, at the time of my life, on my own car, own house, and, you know, and, and did really well out there. And, and then the manager of the club in Australia, I came back to England after the season had finished. I did really well. I think we, I, I won the Player of the Year in Australia, in Western Australia, so I did really well there. He um, he took over when all the all the Asian countries were starting to, to flourish in football, like the K-League, the J-League in Japan, the Malaysian League, the, the Chinese League. And Singapore was was a country that I'd never really heard of, and he and he, and he said, "Oh, he says come come to um, come come to Singapore. You, you, you know, you'll really enjoy full time club um, accommodation." And I went, and I mean, the place was amazing. I spent four unbelievable years there. You know, I was unbelievably well. Um, I remember the first year I was there, I went to a club that was, to be honest, neither relegation battle so. The accommodation I got promised it was like a, it was like a council little flat thing, and, and, and I seen a couple of English lads at different clubs who were swimming about in their condominium with the snooker <laughs> tables and this one. And I'm thinking, I've got the right place here, you know, what you know. And um, unfortunately, I, I didn't really have a good season that year, to be honest. I, but but I worked hard. I, you know, I, I was captain of the club, but the, the heat was horrendous for me. I, I wasn't probably prepared for it. And the club gave us another year, uh, which I was surprised at. And then the following year, for some reason, everything I was was hitting from midfield was flying in. I scored about 19 goals. And, and then suddenly my condominium became a reality the following year. You know, I was swimming in the pool. I was tennis courting it. I was, I was squash courting it. So I had, I had, like you say, four unbelievable years there. And, and I could have stayed out there and got me, got me permanent residency uh, and probably played for the national team out there. But my wife's man wasn't... Uh, Dad, sorry, wasn't very well at the time, and, and, and we came back. And like you say, sometimes fate's weird because you know I missed. I, I had a brilliant time out there, but then the experience I've had with with Spennymoor and the chairman, and, and, and you know the Vars win and the promotions, and, and being sat in with yourselves, you know, in the National League North, you know, sometimes you know you think have I done the right thing? But you know, looking back, I think I certainly have. I've, I've managed the club for for nearly fifteen years, which I'm immensely proud of. Well, well, Jason. Uh... Thanks very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure and we've enjoyed having you on as well. No, uh, thanks for inviting me. Cheers, uh, Rob. Uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, he's still got mute oh, on. muted. <laughs> Dickie, thanks for joining us. No, you're very welcome. Great, as always. Chris, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed your bagel. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Take care, mate. Cheers, cheers Jason. Jason. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Much appreciated. Great. You're welcome. Take care, Cheers, guys. Pleasure as always. Yeah, and that's it. So don't forget to subscribe to us on uh, iTunes and Spotify and give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. Until then, look after yourself, stay alert, and we'll see you all very soon. Mm-hmm.